This is Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Spencer. We want to bring you an American perspective on the world game. Welcome back to another episode of Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. My name is Andrew, and I am here with my brand new, multi-footed, $70 million buy option loanee, Spencer Sherrod. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, $70 million if Todd Bowley's paying in my man, because... Uh, it's a loan. Just, it's not an obligation to buy. Sound familiar? Is it all? Something like that. We might have to get a couple installment plans there, but... Uh, Cool 70 million Todd can have me, my friend. But uh, how are you doing today, my man, uh, after Chelsea's escapades? Um, I'm doing okay, man. A long day, a lot of... Uh, Busy lot day, of, like, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, seriously, it's like a long day. At like 3 o'clock this morning, I woke up and, you know, you can't help but look at your phone and there's a bunch of stuff on there. And it's not like the Chelsea transfer rumors kept me up at night, right? Like... I went back to bed, but at the same time, it was just like, oh, man, this is going to be like, I just like, I said, I looked at my phone and it was like when you get a work email way too late for work. Right. And you just kind of do the mental math of like, oh, this is going to be a long day tomorrow. Like, that's yeah, what but, it felt like. But it's like I basically, I basically, yeah, I basically had an email from Fab being like, hey, nothing easy is happening tomorrow. Nothing easy. We're getting rid of your midfield blanket, Jorginho. We're starting there. So. Buckle up, buddy. Yeah, that was like the two days in a row of just absolute out of left field bombs I woke up to with Jorginho today going from you guys. Both of us get affected because the day before was the Cancelo news where I wake up and I'm like, oh, first thing it's like Cancelo's for sale. And then by the time I'm getting to work like an hour and a half later, it's like I look at my Twitter and it's, oh, Cancelo's gone. Uh, That happened fast, but (laughs) same thing with Jorginho today, kind of. So there were 39 39 counted them fab tweets that I missed overnight while I was in my slumber. So uh, that just kicked off what was a very, very busy day today, my friend. And we're here to recap all of it. Well, not all all of it, it. all the important stuff. (laughs) What we we very subjectively deemed important. Yes, absolutely. We have coming up a uh, a subjective list of things we've decided to arbitrarily care about. Um, but holy cow, no, you're, you're right though. You're the Cancelo move kind of set the tone of just like, oh, you think Zhao Cancelo is like the best player in city's back four? guess what? He's gone. We're not even, he's just gone. We're not even going to replace him. Figure that out. And it's like, oh man, if this is like, if this doesn't end the transfer, uh, window as like the most important or surprising thing. It's going to be a really long day for me as a Chelsea fan. And sure enough, it absolutely was. But I, I'm glad, I'm glad you got to kind of share in my misery of, wait, what's happening to my team? He's just gone? Okay, cool. Uh. <laughs> ah, well, we got plenty to get into. I think that, um, sure, you lose your midfield blanket and uh, Jorginho, but you, you did get a nice new blanket worth about $120 million. So I think yeah, the Chelsea midfield might be okay, my friend. 
Uh, we can only hope so, man. It's I don't know that it's a one man job at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we it, it was a long day today. As as much as we were like messed up waking up to these text messages, it is better for the window to close at 5 p.m. today. So me and you can like get off work, talk here, right? Get things kind of organized, see what we want to talk about. If this was actually closing at midnight, how miserable would we be if we were trying to like get it up in a timely manner, like get this podcast up in a timely manner? Like we'd be, it's 7.02 right now. We'd be starting the podcast at two in the morning i don't know that that would happen yeah that would have have definitely been a punt to a later in the week podcast so logistically for us uh typically it's the struggle of waking up way too early to get all this soccer content into in in taken in taken whatever you know what i mean but yeah um my favorite word yeah (laughs) yeah, webster dictionary that shit but This was one of the rare circumstances where something was happening late, later, 11 p.m. was the deadline actually in Britain. But for us, it's like, oh, five o'clock. This is beautiful. Perfect. Perfect. Get off work, give 30 minutes to like everybody upload their little transfer lists and stories and we'll start figuring it out. Yeah. And we kind of get behind like the final curtain of what's actually there. And the only thing that it inconveniences us a little bit with is you know, looking at little behind the scenes, how the sausage is made here at Fish and Fries. Like normally we've got an outline typed out earlier in the day. We're all good to go. And me and Andrew had to have a, an hour before the podcast. Of just, okay, making that subjective list we talked about. And yeah. do we care about this? Do we care about this? Should we talk about this? Or should we not talk about this? But we've narrowed it all down. We've got a nice list and we've actually gotten to six perfect little category six true or false questions that we've kind of had as the some takeaways six. the in big honor, six in, in honor of everton the big <laughs> six true or false takeaways transfer <laughs> takeaways the transfer true or false is whatever we want to call it but we've we're narrowed it down away, we're staying away from fab or fiction i ended up watching so much of the fab live stream today that i Oh, I'm embarrassed to admit it. Yeah, but. I might have to hit, hit like Fab with an unfollow for like a month. Just take it easy for a minute. <laughs> yeah, if if that guy doesn't have like a margarita or something and like a good nice sleep, but even then, like at the end of his stream, like they were the other guys who were sitting on there were joking with him, like, "Oh, like a day off tomorrow, right?" And he's like, "Well, actually, the Portuguese and the Turkish uh, deadline is until the next day," and I'm like. Oh, go to bed. Nobody cares who Besiktas signs. Just go to bed, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's I'll be prob- okay. It's probably just guys who used to play for Chelsea. Just fire out a tweet that like <laughs> Bakayoko might move there and get some shut eye, bud. Yeah, just get, get you a nap for Fab. Like I think most of us will live if we don't know who like Braga signed tomorrow. Maybe people of Braga might be upset, but right. Because one of our points is uh, nobody in Europe really signed anybody right, besides exactly. people from the Premier League. So I think you'll be okay, Fab. But let's not mow our lawn a little too early here, Andrew. Uh, let's let's dive into these questions. We'll get to that one a little later. But All right, start us off, Spencer. What's the first question here, buddy? Well, there's only one place to start, Andrew. Absolutely only one place to start. And I believe That's that fair. is... Somewhere in the greater Los Angeles area at a multi multi million dollar mansion of Todd Bowley. <laughs> this guy 
the question has to be, has Todd Bowley at Chelsea, has he just ruined soccer? Has he ruined everything? Is he the evil empire by spending just hundreds of millions of dollars? I think that he's outspent maybe every single league in the world just at Chelsea alone, like combined every other single league in the world he may have outspent in just his little neck of London at Stamford Bridge, my friend. So has he ruined it all for us? If the if the if it can only be true or false, the answer has to be false. Um, because truly, what first of all, what would me and you be talking about right now if not for Todd Bowley? I don't know that you know we got seventy minutes on Harry Sutar moving to Leicester, right? As as much fun as that, you you called that actually during the World Cup that he was going to make a move to a Premier League side, but I don't know My that World you got- Cup takes just keep hitting, man. Yeah, man, just keep I- hitting. Yeah, I think uh, I think Afif is available too if you want to move him in from the uh, Qatari team. Um, but the uh, I, I have to go false just because truly this would be such a boring window, right? If Chelsea wasn't up until the very last minute spending 120 million to get Enzo Fernandez in, like they Chelsea football has been the drama, right? this whole month, this whole year, right? If we didn't have this, we would be having to talk about just horribly boring things. Horribly boring things. So I'm going to go false that we haven't broken football. Um, but they absolutely are taking advantage of prices and making a lot of moves. I, you can make that argument, I think, but I vote false. I don't know where where you come down. I'm sure it's less sympathetic to Chelsea here, but... We definitely have a lot to talk about with the uh, with the blue. So it's it's certainly a little less sympathetic than you, but I'm still going to land on the side of false. Um, look, they, as you kind of just said, they're definitely the, I guess you'd say the antagonist in this story of the transfer window, just that they kind of have turned into this evil empire to a lot of people that they are just out here basically linked to every single player that's available that's over the price of 20 million they're like i said outspending basically the rest of the world by themselves but i don't think this is ruining things right because i don't know how in depth we've gotten on here about it um they basically are exploiting for lack of a better term a loophole to do all this legally with um Financial Back fair play. Yeah. with financial fair play, yeah, by um, just giving out long contracts, it kind of dices up the amount spent. Yep. Yeah. As a Chelsea fan, don't worry, I've been looking at all the very I'm, specific things because I think it's kind of easy to paint this as like a cartoon villain, both in the way he just throws money at everything, quote unquote, and in the way that like he messes things up and like does like a faux pas. Right. Like it's kind of cartoon villainy if you want to look at it that way. But mm. they're all individually like pretty smart buys. Yeah. And I, I look, I tend to agree with that. I don't think any of it's necessarily dumb business. I think that if you're going to criticize maybe one of them in my head, um, it might be how much they have paid for Enzo Fernandez today. We probably should run through the list of kind of yeah, what they've done first here just to 
backtrack a little bit, but maybe, maybe people didn't sit around all day wondering what was going to happen at the transfer. Maybe, maybe they need a little bit of a, uh, of a recap here. Um, Earlier in the window, um, they signed Mikhailo Mudrik for about a hundred million dollars, a 20 year old, 19 year old Ukrainian winger. Um, They signed Noni Matiuki from the Netherlands who counts as an English player for about 30 million. They signed Benoit Badiashile um, from France for about 30 million. And then they signed uh, David Detro Fofana for about 10 million. Um, 19 year old Nigerian striker from, I want to say Norway was he, where he was playing. And then Correct. Andre Santos, who has been, they signed him, I think for about 15, 20 million. And he has scored four goals from the midfield in the uh, South American U20 championships as like a 19-year-old. So he's balling out right now too. And then getting Zhao Felix on loan and quickly having him red carded, um, which has been kind of nice, right? Give him some time off. Welcome to London. You know, time to move in, really get adjusted to things there. But like all that to say, they signed Enzo Fernandez, the World Cup young player of the tournament, right, from Argentina at $120 million at like 558 today. Or like four fifty eight, like right before the buzzer. Yeah, they uh, snuck that one in there. I've actually got it pulled up here while you were chatting there. But overall, with all those transfers, uh, according to transfer mark, Chelsea is operating at a negative three hundred eighteen point two million euros rate just in the January window. Here they have spent. Three hundred and twenty nine point five million, and they've recouped eleven point three million of that with the right. sale of Jorginho. That's the only outgoing they have outside of a loan of um, Malagusto, who Malagusto. they also bought. Who who they also bought? They bought him and loaned him back just to get that deal done. Yeah. Um. And we were talking kind of earlier with some of the buzzwords, but the way they're kind of getting around doing this because the idea of financial fair play, very like succinctly, right, is that you have to be able to balance out the books right between what you spend on players and what you make on player sales right and this is a gross simplification of it but usually there's a kind of a standard length of contract that teams like an unwritten rule have been playing by of about five years being the maximum chelsea is signing and all these players are under the age of 23 right there most of them are under the age of 21 Right. So they're signing them to seven and a half year and eight and a half year million, eight and a half year contracts, because what you do is the amount you spend, you can divide over the length of the contract thanks to fancy accounting. So if you sign somebody for 100 million and you sign them to, you know, essentially like a 10 year deal. Right. You're only responsible for on the books about 10 million dollars a year. So you can make it a much more manageable number. Right, because Spencer just said it. I don't have the number in front of me, but three hundred and how much? Three hundred and twenty-nine or something. I clicked away, unfortunately. But the the point is, they couldn't hope to. They couldn't hope to balance that out with player sales, right? But they found a loophole. UEFA got mad. FIFA's getting mad at them for it because they don't like when. People read the fine print and try to do fun things. So that's very, it's uh, kind of how we got here. Very American of Todd to just 
find some legal loophole and go in there and basically <laughs> exploit it. And look, I, I think that it's not the best look, right? I can understand that point of view that this is even to me as somebody who's pretty free market on this type of shit. This is kind of outrageous to the level to which it's gone to it in spe- specifically January. Like, yeah, if they would have done this window in the summer, that's crazy. But which, if which they which January, they kind of did. Yeah, which they which kind they, of did without Graham Potter or a uh, basically anyone working in the back office. It was right Thomas Tuchel wanting to leave, and we're spending a ton of right. money still. But and, and they'd already spent so much money in the summer and bought in people, and like even some of those, like we can talk about direction, sense of direction in a second with Chelsea. But like moves like Obamiang, like where the hell does he fit in already? Like already, I'm like, what's it on the bench? What was the point of any of that, though? You know, Um, but we'll get into direction in a second. But basically, I don't think it's the best look to go as extravagant as they have gone. But that said, I think a lot of the hate spawns from people that are envious that they don't have an owner that is spending so much money and you know thought of quite frankly just thought of this first basically that we could exploit this we could spend all this money and you know we can back it up now will it work i guess is the big question too like you know if these players don't work out and they're on eight years contracts like chelsea's done with all due respect some very bad transfers like any club in the past but like could you imagine if for example, Bakayoko, who probably signed like a five oh, or six year deal, was on an eight year deal. They here. still haven't they still, still haven't been here. able to offload that guy. But Dude, you know, two different loans broke. Sorry, two different Bakayoko will always get me to interrupt you. Just bringing up his name. Two different loans for two different teams fell through for him, like in this January period, because mm-hmm. he's sitting on AC Milan's bench because. It's like if they play him 11 times, they have to buy him for Yeah, five there's an million. obligation in there. And he's sitting on like nine times played. And because he's so bad at soccer, they're just like, we won't play you because we're not <laughs> we're not doing this. We think you there's suck. No way. And then they were trying to get him loaned to like two different smaller teams. And they were both just like, you're paying him how much? No, we're not. So I don't know where yeah, he's I'm, at. I'm pretty sure AC Milan just went to him and said, yeah, that obligation to buy – if we pay play you 12 games or whatever, isn't worth the paper that it's written on. So there's no way that's happening, <laughs> <laughs> but um, let's kind of dive into that. Right. Cause I, I do think that's kind of the crux of a lot of this hate um, is envy from people that this wasn't exploited by somebody else first. Like let's kind of dive more into the question of like, will this work? What's the sense of direction here with Chelsea? Like, do we think that, like, I guess you, you're your guy who's really got a pulse on it. You're a guy that's more emotionally invested than me. Like, what are your feelings on this? Do you think this is going to work? Do you like what they're yeah. doing? Um, where, where do you kind of fall on everything? So I, the teams in, are they still in 10th? I don't know at the moment, actually. I apologize, but they were sitting in 10th. I think they probably still are. Yeah, they're sitting in 10th. There's no shot any Chelsea fan can be okay with 10th place. And to have an owner who had like an ownership group, because like Todd Bowley is getting a lot of the, 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 whatever you want to say, credit, villainy for all this too. But um, 
they're like number two in command. Enig Bali is his last name. Has been super, super big on like the Mudrick and the uh and the Enzo Fernandez move specifically. Like it's a good group of ownership there, right? Basically, all you want as a sports fan is if your team isn't doing well, the ownership to not ignore it, to go and try to do something about it, right? Even if it doesn't work. Obviously, we'd rather it all work as a Chelsea fan. But that goes for anything. Like, you can say that about, like, Nottingham Forest, right? You can be happy with your ownership because they're out there spending money trying to make sure they stay up. With Chelsea, it's a lot more dire because if you don't make the championship or the Champions League, a lot of the money stuff doesn't work the way you want it to. And all of a sudden you have players who may not want to be there if you're not going to be in the Champions League, right? So not that that's more at stake than Forrest, but it's a different type of more, right? I'm very happy with them going out and spending a ton of money to try to fix the problem and get younger, right? They're not like in the summer when they bring on Koulibaly, who's getting up there in age. When you bring in a Aubameyang, right, who's getting up there in page, well past the prime to try to like put a Band-Aid on something and make it work. To have them go and get not just somebody who can come in and fix a problem today, but somebody who could potentially be a star like Mudrik, Enzo Fernandez, even like Zhao Felix, right, hasn't done a ton. Like, it's been a very, like, he was the most expensive transfer, I think, ever, right, when he went to Atletico. Um but at the same time, hasn't done a lot on the international stage since then, right? Outside of being Ronaldo's running mate. It's really, it's really nice to see a ownership group of a team you care for show up, get involved, spend the money, and try to make this a a good season, right? To try to literally save the season. How it's all gonna work out on the pitch, we don't know yet. <laughs> but um you can't fault them for trying and you can't fault them for trying to put something special here together at the end of the year. Yeah. And I think obviously any fan would be, I think happy to see their club go to these financial links to like strengthen the squad. If it was their own, they'd not criticizing you at all. I'm just saying, I think that if there's anybody there finding reasons to say they're super happy about it. Um, I think that, like when you start to look at the sheet, I think it's like, like if you just look at it very black and white and like they signed all these people, or you see a tweet and it's like, they just bought all these people. You start to wonder a bit more where it fits and stuff. Sure. But I think at the same time, you have to look at them. Like this is a club that their ambitions are to compete at the top of the entire world. Right. They're, mm-hmm. Yep. They they want to be at the business end of the Champions League. They want to be right there in the league. Um, I mean, it's been, what, a decent four or five, six years since they've won a Prem at this point now? 18? <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of your fault. But yeah, um, <laughs> you've had such a... But like, yeah, we, we are that level of team. And it's important right. to a Chelsea fan to show you want to continue mm-hmm. to be at that level with new ownership. For sure. And it's a team that's, you know, floundering a bit this season. They're very much mid-table this year. It's been a big disappointment and stuff. And they're we're, retooling we're the squad. We're the best at being mid-table. We're the actual middle of the table. So <laughs> The champions of the middle of the table. But, yeah, I think that when you look at that, that context, plus the fact that, you know, we were talking two weeks ago about how they're starting guys like Lewis Hall and... 
and other academy players basically to fill out because they're so strapped with injuries and stuff. And obviously guys like Pulisic and um, Sterling, they'll come back from injuries eventually. Then you're going to have a little bit of a hodgepodge. I think where I fall on the original question to circle back a bit more is like, I don't think they've broken everything, but you know, this is two very extravagant windows in a row. As long as they start to like stabilize a bit more and just have a little bit more normal transfer windows, I can understand the super upfront, like fresh, crazy injection of new young players that you expect to be core to this team for your, you know, the next eight years or whatever. If we have a more chaotic transfer window in the summer, I don't know what to do. Um, I'm really sorry about the podcast. It'll just be me talking about if it was somehow more chaotic. I I don't know what I'll do. It's been Spencer can attest. I've been not stressed out because it's all soccer, right? It's all sports. It's all fun and games, but stressed, worried. What what would be the word you would use for me over the past 72 Uh, hours? Just stretched just stretched um like you know i don't know i've had to like unhinged a little bit at times i guess maybe like just sometimes you're just you're you're texting me something about some you know something else some some teenager yeah something we're, we're having a nice conversation about something and then you know fab just drops something about a teenager from like the slovenian premier league and Chelsea and all of a sudden Spencer's got a four paragraph message. Yeah. That's kind of how that, how that goes sometimes. But but. you know, that's what friends are for. uh, Yeah. And and speaking of unrest at the clubs, uh, I think it's time to transition into our second question here. I'm going to give this one to you first, Spencer, true or false. Arsenal have done enough to go clear at the top of the table. And to recap, while you think about it for a second, they brought in Jorginho, vice captain for Chelsea, penalty extraordinaire, world's worst runner, and uh, defender Jacob Quiafor, um, who is kind of said as like a depth piece there. But is that enough to run away with the title here from your beloved city, Spencer? Yeah, and I think um, in, addition to, in, in addition to that, they also, I, I mean, we talked about it a bit last week, but they bought in Trossard too from Brighton. Yes. Another yes. big depth addition for them. So they definitely, maybe not the most extravagant, extravagant names. Like they didn't have a Todd Bowley window by any means, but did quite a bit to try to reinforce this squad, give them some depth, which has kind of been their main, you know, issue we thought potentially. That said, I. I don't think that alone has convinced me enough to say they've done enough to secure this league. I'm going to go false here again, Andrew. I think that they look a little better on paper still than they did a few days ago. I would agree with that. I'll concede that. But I still think that they have enough of a lead and enough of a squad, I think, even before. Unless they had some crazy Chelsea type of injury situation where they were playing under 21 players for an extended period of time or something. I think they've had the talent and enough of a lead to get this done. I still think that they didn't do enough to tell me that what's the biggest thing to me is the mental aspect. I don't think the talent defeats what the mental unknown is. I don't think this changed anything, I guess, for them is what I'm saying. I think that 
it still comes down to when this thing starts getting like really real in a couple months here. And it's like, okay, all we, when they start having these thoughts of going away to crystal palace or away to wolves or something. And it's like, well, we just need to pick up three points here and then we'll go nine points. They start doing the math and stuff in their head. Are they going to manage that pressure correctly? So I don't think the talent they bought in changes any of that to me. What about you? I mean, they've, Jorginho is like he's won the Champions League, he's won the Europa League or the the Euro, the European Championships, right? Like he is literally, quite literally, a, a an elite primetime like calming presence, right? Like I've said a lot of things about Jorginho, right? Because he's slow and it's tough, but like he's going to be playing next to pa- Thomas Partey and behind the attacking force, so he doesn't have to do the dirty work he's not great at, and he doesn't have to do the attacking work he's not great at all he has to do is distribute and I mean we've talked about how crazy they are like breaking Man United's press and stuff like that last week or a couple weeks ago whenever that was but um, I think it's kind of a nice bring in for them they clearly weren't going to spend a lot of money and to get him for 12 13 million whatever it ends up being right on a guy that Chelsea was going to probably lose for nothing at the end here is is kind of nice but I think it also kind of brings up the the question of your beloved Manchester City who literally do nothing today except lose their best left back, right back, maybe overall defender not named Ruben Diaz to Bayern Munich on a loan for nothing. Like, addition, I mean, there's addition by subtraction, but... It's hard to tell me a team's better at soccer without Jao Cancelo on it. Yeah, um, I definitely don't disagree with you here. Um, that move was, as I referenced earlier, very shocking. Like, just kind of out of nowhere. With a little context, right, that came out, like it makes a little more sense. Um, essentially, what's being reported is that there was a big training ground bust up between Pep and Jao Cancelo recently uh, before the Arsenal game in the FA Cup. And once Cancelo was told he wasn't going to start, then they kind of had a dust up. He hasn't been starting quite a bit. Basically, since before the World Cup, he's been very sparingly used, if at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've had some sort of falling out, and it's just fallen out amazingly quickly. Um but this is something we've kind of seen under Pep before. Like Pep doesn't stand for a lot of drama within the team. It seems like uh, when guys want to leave, he typically lets them leave. But like, unless you're Bernardo Silva, in which case you cannot leave and you have to stay. I don't know if Bernardo Silva <laughs> wants to leave. This is just it is reported literally every every, every transfer time. window that he wants to leave to go to Barcelona. That's but like every time it's like he <laughs> stays, and I don't know. I'm just starting to think that this is just one of those rumors that happens every single year that somebody's leaking to people well, over and over and again. As I joked with you, it's like, and luckily for you, the place he dreams of going and wouldn't, you know, would want to play where anyone else is Brokelona who needs to pull four or five financial levers just to get the dude in the building, yeah. right? They, they're having trouble signing Julian Alvarez from Los Angeles Galaxy because they have to technically sign him to the uh, 
to Barcelona B and then let him like get loaned to like the A group. Like the amount of hurt you think Chelsea's out there making moves, spending money. Barcelona's out there not not spending money, but they are making moves. They are hurdles trying to get around this thing. So the idea that they would actually be able to pay for a good player is incredible. Yeah, that's basically so, rules him lucky out. Lucky you there. So basically, Bernardo Silva's there on the technicality of Barcelona, presented by Spotify, is not able to uh, pull the lever. Well, until they find that lever, uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. But on to Cancelo, man. Um, like I said, he he'd fallen out of order really. Like Rico Lewis is playing on the right. Nathan Ake has been playing left back. Um, Kyle Walker, when he's healthy, he's getting some game time. But more than anything, what bothers me here is that while they seem to have kind of moved away from him in the starting lineup, you, you start to look at the depth and be a little bit more worried here, right? Like, should a Nathan Ake get injured or something? Um, what we're looking at Sergio Gomez at left back um, who like been okay in a couple cup games, but had some yeah. really bad ones too. Like he got sent off in a cup game earlier this year. He's um, what? 21 maybe. Yeah. I believe he's 21. Right? He's the top of my very head. young player. You know, like he's, he's a young player you guys just brought in mm-hmm. and the idea had to be to sit him behind Kinsella, Kinsella. probably and mm-hmm. Ake and mm-hmm. let him kind of develop. But Yeah. It's, it's very much, turned into a weird like hodgepodge at fullback this year for city um, with Kinsella's like lack of form and Walker's injury and stuff. But like, I don't know, Nathan, that guy's turned into our best left back. It's weird, man. Are, are you worried that Kinsella leaving to go to a team that's going to challenge for the title in their league is going to also turn him into the best left back in the world? Like it did for, uh, for your boy at Arsenal. Like, do you think uh, it's a direct, do you think Pep is just, we've joked me and you for years about his uh, always want and need of buying right and left backs. Do you think he's just trying to do guys a favor? He's just like, yeah, here you go. Go on to bigger and better things. This is just Manchester City. All we do is win this league. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, it's the lack of depth at that position. It's crazy because for so long, yeah, they were just dropping 50 million on random left backs from Spain every year, but it's uh, the cabinets are a little more bare these days. That's probably my biggest concern is the depth part of it. If Ake was to pick up an injury or something that scares me a bit. I wish they would have bought somebody in. They were linked to Anthony Robinson a little Jedi. bit. Yeah. Of the USMNT, but uh, that's today was reported more like a summer move potentially. So uh, they didn't bring anybody in. And that's if anything, a little bit concerning, maybe they trust somebody from the Academy or something, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I wonder if maybe he's just going more to a regular kind of like Chelsea will do this sometimes where you play four at the back, but as soon as you have possession, it's three at the back, right? Which is what Ake is more of a center back anyway, so that kind of makes sense. But Ake's been really good for you guys, mm-hmm. right? As a player who was rumored to go to Chelsea in the summer, and we kind of laughed about it. because uh, I mean, like rumored to go to Chelsea and- doesn't necessarily mean anything. No, it means a lot. It means you're clearly very good at this and would have been a better move than uh, cool. It means you're good at playing <laughs> soccer and you're valued at over like 50 million. And then I'm pretty sure you've had a Chelsea rumor. Well, no, no, no. Don't don't get on this Ake defending bandwagon because, first of all, before the season, we had multiple conversations about Ake because of that. And you were like, well, we don't need him for anything. 
And it's nice that he can play left back, but that's not his thing. Oh, like, 100%. And here he is. Like, I think you guys are doing well. But, like, all of a sudden, to me, it's like Royce Lewis, Kyle Walker, and Nathan Ake is what you guys are going to use to run down Arsenal. Like, if only you guys had this really talented player who can maybe turn a game but I guess he's going to go hang out with Alfonso Davies. So. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's a little perplexing, man. Um, I don't know. They might even just – because what you're saying, basically, like you referenced Chelsea's other at times, like City, they are doing that this year, is like Pep tinkers mm-hmm. and tries to find ways to get <laughs> Holland into space, get just... the Holland the ball more often and like control the midfield still. Like it's it's – Ake is not attacking really down the left. I know he scored a goal in an FA Cup game uh, against Arsenal like we were just talking about. But yeah, he he's not really attacking. Rico Lewis is playing like a midfielder when they're in possession and they're basically running a three at the back. So I don't know. Maybe they actually just say, fuck it, go ship to a three at the back at some point and say forget the fullbacks. But – it's it's been a weird dynamic at the fullback position for sure and the Cancelo thing was like the cherry on top of that i'm assuming that'll be minutes before the champions league final if you guys are willing to get there right (laughs) i know that's your favorite time to tinker with stuff um bringing it back to arsenal just a little bit i know we can talk a ton about city and chelsea and um honestly usually city and chelsea kind of have the drama but arsenal the Jorginho move seems good they didn't spend the money on on Caicedo, do you think that will be an important thing of the teams who didn't spend the money, right? Arsenal didn't really spend the money, City didn't spend any money, right? The teams that don't spend, are they going to be regretting it? Um, I think, honestly, if I'm Arsenal, like, yeah, you would have loved to get Caicedo as or cover in that mid. Right? What? Like, they, they were rumored for Mudrick, too, right? They were yeah. going to spend 100 mil, like... And they decided to take Jorginho for 12, right? Right, like, those right yeah. Cool. And I think they, they could have dropped bigger money on like younger guys, sure. Um, but I would say like when you look at it, they obviously had targeted like some winger depth and a midfielder. And look, they're older guys, but when you go out and get Trossard and Jorginho, they're probably at the same level that like, maybe not Saicedo to Jorginho, like they're very different midfielders and that Saicedo can run faster than like three miles per hour. But like Trossard's probably at a similar level to Mudrick right now. Like Jorginho has qualities that put him close to like a Saicedo as far as like overall what they bring to a midfield that probably washes out pretty close. Um, I think they bought in good players, right? I, I don't mean to, when I say false to this question, like I think that, Arsenal has done good business. I think that they've improved their depth, which was probably their biggest squad wise, at least their biggest concern. I just don't think that it's really the question of whether they're able to finish this title off or not. Like, I think that they are nice pieces that could help them if they run into injuries for sure. Like that erases maybe the injury concern a bit more in my mind, but I I think this is going to come down to their mental fortitude still more than anything to hold on to this title. Yeah, Trossard, Jorginho are, are really good depth pieces. I think I think you make a really good point there um, because they are filling gaps, right? They're not filling in, right? Chelsea has to go spend all this money because they don't have. Arsenal have, right? I, I think maybe the biggest thing you could say about them is 
it really says a lot that they trust Eddie and Ketia to keep this up and, and continue on this run of form that they didn't go try to get a striker. Granted, there weren't a lot available, right? Just from kind of who moved, but they easily could have been like, okay, we were going to spend 80 million on Mudrik. We didn't get him. We were going to spend 60, 70 million on Saicedo because they had two or three different bids that didn't go through. Let's take all that money and go break the bank, try to get a big striker here. And they didn't, they didn't feel the need to do that. So I, you know, kind of, I do applaud them for kind of, repping the guys they have and, and strengthening the squad for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like we said, their depth looks better. The signings are good. I like the signings. It's just, it's, it's still a matter to me of just, you know, between the years for them. So we shall see how the title race plays out, but on paper, um, they had a much better day than city did. I definitely concede that. Um, but just a second ago, we were, you know, kind of talking about big spending and stuff. Um, we said neither of those teams really went and spend it, spent big, big or anything. Now, City didn't spend it at all, really. <laughs> but yeah. speaking of not spending at all, when you uh, look across the continent, right? Because I know we uh, we can be a bit Anglo-centric on here at times. We're very focused on the Premier League because that's where our like biggest rooting interests are. But we try to diversify a lot, so... You know, we plan on talking about Europe a lot in this pod too, but uh, hard to talk not about. It's not happening. Hard to talk about it, man. Is uh, La Liga, Syria, you know, France, Ligue 1, and the Bundesliga? They're all pretty quiet on their transfers. So, uh, my next question to you, Andrew, on yep. this true or false of transfers is the Premier League now simply miles clear of everybody else in Europe as the best league in the world? As the best league in the world, I think right now it's hard to say anything other but anything other than true, right? And it's kind of been this way for a while that you feel like, is the Spanish league better than the, than the English league? No, maybe Real Madrid and Barca are better than everybody, but you know, like, but the whole of the league, I trust being better. Is France better than the, the English league? No, maybe PSG is, but I trust the whole of the league more than the quote unquote farmers league. And then even like a team, a, a league we've talked about, like Germany kind of being a one team league, right? But Italy, we've talked about this year being kind of a fun, a league where a lot can happen. Juve gets a 15 point relegation or 15 point deduction. Napoli's now walking away with the league and then none of them spent any money Spencer any money to bring in players you could probably argue that it's just kind of you know the pandemic catching up with teams and you know if you're Real Madrid why would you bring anybody in right like if you're Bayern Munich or Real Madrid what would you even possibly spend 90 million on you're winning the league or close to it you're set up great for the Champions League and you know, you don't have to go spend the money right now, but it was just a very kind of, I'm, I'm very happy the premier league spent what it spent and did what it did, or this would be a hard pod to have today, right? If it was just based on what the rest of the leagues did, but what do you think Spencer miles clear? Yeah, I think as far as miles clear i think top to bottom yes it is that's true like top to bottom like the mid table the premier like i think is miles clear of any other leagues mid table when you've got teams like 
you know, Leeds and who else? Like Nottingham Forest even like spent a ton of money. Leeds spent a lot of money, like are outspending entire and the entirety of some of these other leagues. Like I think that is true. But I think at the very top ends, like I would still consider this question false because I think still a Bayern, a PSG, a you know, a Real Madrid, Barcelona, even to some extent like Inter, Napoli, these teams, these teams still compete with the top level of the Premier League. So mm-hmm. I go false there. But like financially, it's it's absolutely true. Like I have some figures in front of me here, Andrew. And this was as of six days ago from Sport Bible. The Premier League in January, like I said, as of six days ago, that's so before anything that happened like today, like Enzo Fernandez was another yeah, for, for Todd million. for Todd Bowley. Oh. That's like two hundred million dollars ago. But come <laughs> yeah, on. exactly. The Premier League had spent four hundred and sixty six million euros. The next closest league was the Bundesliga at forty eight million. So, you know, we're talking. Say that about number again. Say it again. Four hundred and sixty six million for the Premier okay. League. Next closest Bundesliga at forty eight million. So over four hundred million. I'm more. not a math guy, but that's a tenth of what they spent. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, basically, pretty close to it. Yeah, that's so. Like, insane. like in a league like Syria, like Syria had spent nine million euros as of six days ago. <laughs> like, uh, Todd Bully spends nine million. They couldn't afford euros on breakfast. They couldn't afford Jorginho. <laughs> yeah. Jorginho went out for twelve or eleven today, and he would be the top signing they'd have to advertise for. Him. Yeah, and it's like, so no, no homecoming. No, no homecoming for Jorginho, unfortunately, well, and, back in Italia. And that's that was kind of the rumor that that's what he wanted, right? Like he was going to let the Chelsea contract run down and go back to Italy, and the money was there to stay in London, right? Like. Mm-hmm. It's it's just surprising because I think at the end of this, we could come down and have no English teams in the Champions League, right? And with all the talk of like the Super Leagues and all this type of stuff, which is, you know, Barcelona, right? Like their kind of baby and their thing, right? It already kind of feels Super League-ish, right? Like by focusing on the Premier League, right? Me and you, I feel like we get... 80% of important soccer things. And I know that's not true, but it feels like it, mm-hmm. right? It's like, okay, if I watch most of the Premier League games this weekend, right, and then I check the scores and make sure Bayern doesn't lose and Gio Reyna doesn't score for Dortmund, and now, you know, like who does Barcelona play? Who does Real Madrid play? I feel like I did all my homework, right? You know what I mean? I feel like I'm coming into the week fully caught up on that. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it makes sense, and it's, you know, just kind of as you're saying, I think we have a Super League. It's just the Super Premier League is basically turned into that, like outside of a few of those other clubs for sure. But, um, yeah, the finances are stark to say the least, and it's, you know, when we're looking at this before and we're, like I said, chatting before, <laughs> and we're like, what did other teams do? And I'm looking at the list and it's like, okay, Memphis Depay went from Barcelona to Atletico. That's kind of big. Sure. Tumbleweed just rolls across your computer screen. Like you don't even know how it got there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think Depay, when I looked, he only went for like 3 million or something because yeah, well, and like a lot just, of it Barcelona is, just had to offload him. <laughs> right, right. And Barcelona can't legally – like sign anyone so it all has to be through loans and stuff right. like that because like, i think they were up for um 
there was talk today that they might like do a loan with an obligation to buy for Onahi. I think I'm, I'm saying it right. One of the Moroccan midfielders who showed mm-hmm. really well and they couldn't bring him in. Cause the only way they could like legally do it with La Liga's hard cap is like to loan him and then try to buy him for like 35 million in the summer. And he didn't want to do that. Right. And yeah, it's just crazy. Like, yeah. Like they didn't bring anybody in. So like, honestly i'd love to see what this like what's the percentage of all that money that's spent by all these other leagues is Bayern munich because they're which grant they didn't even spend any money on cancelo like they bought in cancelo but on the loan but they also bought in daily blend from ix which i think actually he got released from ix and so he just signed there so that was on a free because everybody's bending over backwards to do Bayern a favor god seems that way and then they they also bought in like (laughs) they also bought in jan summer and i think even that like which is just like I get he's like thirty four like years. He's a good goalie. Yeah, right. Great move. How many, like oh, I, Chelsea could use him. Shit. Right. Like, but yeah, I, I think he uses like, his arms, so it'll be incredible. <laughs> he's like thirty four, so I understand you're not going to get a haul for him. But like Borussia Mönchengladbach sold him for like four million or something. And, and Mönchengladbach is competing with like that's the it's, thing that drives me nuts. Like a little bit of like you let Jorginho walk out for $12 million. Like hurts me a little bit, but at the same time, it's like, they weren't getting anything back for him with Chelsea. Mm -hmm. I hate the, like, and this is kind of my dumb American brain, right? Is I hate when teams competing with each other do deals. Like, why would you help them? Like, yeah. Like part of the reason Connor Gallagher didn't get sold today is because Newcastle came in with like a $45 million bid. And they were like, well, no, we think you guys are pretty good. We don't want to play against Connor Gallagher. We think he's pretty good. Right. But like every team just like being every team in the Bundesliga just being the Bayern Munich feeder system just drives me nuts, man. Yeah, good it's work. something I guess when, it's good work if you can get it, I guess. Bayern Munich. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's something when like they lose Manuel Neuer for the rest of the year and it's just like, "Oh, we'll just buy Quite possibly the next best goalie in the Bundesliga for fucking peanuts. He's the second so. best goalie, and they were like, "It's Jan Summer." And then someone had to tell like whoever the boss is. They're like, "You mean we didn't already have the second best goalie in the Bundesliga? You're fired. Get out of here." Yeah, and he's firing somebody else because they haven't talked Mooching Gladback into just outright releasing him and letting them sign him on a free or something. They're like four <laughs> million. Gives them one point five million dollars to take Jan Summer off their hands. Like, yeah, those are really the kind of deals it feels like Bayern gets. Maybe, maybe we're just looking at this wrong. Maybe Mooching Gladback, you know, re- everything's relative in life. Maybe they actually fleece Bayern by getting a whole four million for the second best goalkeeper. Or just sail in the Bundesliga this year to a to a team that's not in the premier league because otherwise mm-hmm. I think probably like Jorginho Ruder to Hoffenheim or from Hoffenheim to Leeds for like 25 million. Yeah. And that's just off I the top of my head. We're not going to fact check that, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they definitely, they, these other countries definitely sold, but they did not bring much in. Like uh, we went through this. I, those are the moves I wrote down. Plus Vitinha from um, Portugal to Marseille and France for like 25 million. But like, that's, that's the level to which we're stretching to find transfers. Like uh, yeah. literally teams, uh, like literally teams that are in last place in the premier league are dropping 25 million on multiple players. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jan summer to the best team in the Bundesliga from one of the top four boot teams in the Bundesliga, seven mil. Just, just disgusting. Um, it's, 
it's certainly a little bit concerning the disparity between it all. So like we said, hopefully it's like a COVID thing and it's just these things get a little more caught up. Years, balance out the books, sell a couple more players to random Premier League teams that are giving you $30 million and we'll get this thing back up and running, right? It's basically, the Premier League is basically the stimulus package to soccer. They basically just been like, all right, you need 25 mil? I got you. You got like a 20-year-old striker who's maybe fast. All right, here's 20 million. We got it solved. But I think it's time to get back to the Premier League here with our next question. Spencer, I'm going to you with the true or false. Newcastle and Manchester United have done enough to secure top four this season. Ooh. Um, you know, let's, let's go through a little bit of it first, right? Let's talk myself into one or another because when you look at United, they bring in the Voot Voot train, Voot Vout Veghorst a few weeks ago. They bought in Marcel Sabitzer from Bayern. So Bayern at the buzzer today. At the buzzer. Bayern funded their next seven transfers. Oh, it was just a loan? It's it's just a loan and it's really like a direct replacement for Christian Eriksen, who's Mm going to be out for like the next three months. Yeah. Um, so it makes perfect sense. But even well, then, even, like, good even regardless, if there's any loan fee attached to that, I'm sure it'll finance like three transfers for Bayern to sign like three <laughs> Germans for free next year. So, yeah. Um, but United bring in those guys, like you said, lose Ericsson, which is a little big, but I think they, you know, did it as well as they could on as short of notice as they had, did, you know, some good things. And they're, their growth has been more from, you know, getting guys like Rashford to play back into form. You know, so. and and Ronaldo out, like, yeah, and Ronaldo out, like yeah. So I, I think that on that part, I'm going to go true. When I move over to Newcastle, I look at them and a little bit quieter, but you know, had their had a lot of lines out there. It felt like they were linked to a lot of guys. They get Anthony Gordon from Everton, um, but honestly, like I, I think the you know, big thing here is that I don't think Tottenham did a ton. Like Pedro Porro, the, if, if Enzo Fernandez's saga wasn't so, you know, crazy, the Pedro Porro thing would be talked about more. Sure. Go off. Please get in here. They loaned out two wingbacks to bring in a wingback. But first of all, you guys had a buyback option on at city. So I don't know what you're doing there with Cancelo running out the door, but that that's beside the point. They, they, did all this work to sign Spence and then Doherty had been playing most games and they loan out Doherty and they loan out Spence. And then they almost don't get Pedro Porro over the line. This was like done three days ago. Right. Does that seem right? Like it was like talked about as being pretty close to being complete. And it went up until the wire, including yesterday for like six hours or so. The deal was like completely off. Like, yeah, I know Chelsea bungles a lot of these things, but. Man, yeah, it, Antonio Conte, that guy's got to be fuming. Yeah, it it felt like the craziest saga ever. Um, but they did get that over the line, the right back from Sporting. So good on them. I, I did also forget, you know, about a week ago they bought in Dan Yuma from Villarreal, the winger on a loan. So which they only got because there. someone else was going to bring. Was that Everton? Yeah, Everton they, was they, going to bring him in, and they're like, "Oh, that's sad. Here, come, come play with us." Yeah, well, I, I think I think Dan Yuma's well, they, ha- quote they have was, no original ideas. Dan Yuma's <laughs> quote 
was something along the lines of once Tottenham called, it was only Tottenham for me, which he was very heavily linked to Everton. So that shows, you know, the state of Everton <laughs> these days. Even even that quote is like, well, yeah, once the non-relegation chance came up, I guess that was the best option for me. It's Sounds like a yeah, little better. No kidding, bud. <laughs> you did it. Can't wait for him to kiss the badge in a month. But um, <laughs> I think where I'm going to fall on this is that I think that while Newcastle, I just looked at their list. They did a couple other things, but nothing really major. They didn't do a ton. I don't, Anthony Gordon doesn't personally from the times I've watched him move my needle a ton. I think he's more of a thing for the future, but some depth nonetheless. I think it more falls on that. I don't think Tottenham did enough to catch them. I believe they're three points behind them right now um, as things stands. And I think Newcastle has played one less game as well. So I'm going to go true on this. I think that we're looking at Manchester United and Newcastle rounding out this top four, man. I think they're going to hold on to this. Uh, wow. What do you think? Um, I, I'd love to say Chelsea's really going to get on a horse here and uh, challenge, but does seem a little far-fetched because they're just because they're running from so far back um, that'd have to be a hell of a horse my friend you need a triple crown winner for well, sure we could definitely buy a horse if we needed one um and we definitely tried with multiple hundred million dollar things but um yeah i i really like kind of what i hate to say it like what man united did of just kind of all right ronaldo's out rashford's acting like he's the best player in the world Anthony's got enough attitude for everybody. Bruno Fernandez absolutely gets the goals in. What do we need? Let's get some stability up top. Let's bring in Woot like horse. Let's bring in some, oh, Erickson's out because he's been super good for us. Let's bring in a guy who also can like pick a pass and like do it all kind of midfielder with an attacking mind, right? A very active midfielder who can kind of put his foot in and really getting him on a loan is going to be great for everybody because Sabitzer has not been lighting the world on fire either so it's kind of a new new thing new change of pace there I like what they did and I don't know that Brighton keeping uh Moises Caicedo is going to be enough to have them like jump right and get into that right now they sit at 37 point or um I'm sorry 31 points while Newcastle and Man United are both tied at 39. And then Tottenham Hotspur is right there with 36. Um, I would say I feel Man United is absolutely locked into a top three finish. And then I think it's probably flip a coin between Newcastle and Spurs here. And I really just think Newcastle are in a much better place than Spurs is chaotic. We only score in the second half. We don't sign anybody who was our original idea. Antonio Conte is like wanting out every other weekend and they go play city this weekend. Like, would you be surprised if I was like, yeah, after <laughs> like after Spurs play city Sunday, Antonio Conte is not the coach of this team. Like it could happen. Right. And they're fifth in the table. They're, they're having a very good season, right. By like anybody's perspective, I, I'd trade places with them. And they just don't have any feel of being able to go up and get it with Harry Kane, Human Song, Richarlison off the bench, Kulisevsky. They have all these players, and I don't feel like they can go and do it. So I'm going to go ahead and say true, but more. I, I would have liked to see a little bit more from Newcastle on the top end of talent, right, to kind of push them over the top because I feel like they've been in a little bit of an offensive lull. Yeah, yes. I, I 
I think I'm relatively confident in that call, but I, I agree with you. If there's anything you worry about a little with Newcastle, they have been a, a little bit of a scoring slump of late. Maybe just to bring in another score uh, would have been nice for them. Like they did move out Chris Wood as well, but you know, not the biggest score, but still a center. <laughs> and, and then, and then uh, how wanted a striker is like, yeah. So okay, whatever, you know, and part of that, like, you know, guys like Alexander Isak haven't been healthy a lot this year and stuff. And I, I think they're, he's they're back. hoping, yeah, but, yeah, he's back now. So I think they're hoping that kind of kickstarts that, but yeah, if I was going to critique them, if I if I'm not going to be supremely confident, I'm relatively confident. Only it's probably that just kind of what you referenced. The goals have dried up a bit, but at the same time, I I, I think it really just comes down to you know I don't trust Tottenham to do it over the course of the rest of the season. They're they've been so inconsistent. So I think that's what it boils down to me, my friend. But uh. Speaking of down, let's go down the table a bit here and move on to our next transfer, true or false. And that is true or false, my friend. Have Everton done enough to save themselves from the drop? This is the easiest question. False. Have they done enough? They barely did anything. They got rid of a young attacking talent, which, first of all, Chelsea offered you like $20 million more three months ago. And you guys are like, no, we got to hang on to him. For what, man? You're not scoring any goals. And then they bring in Sean Dyche, which we talked about, right, <clears throat> is a better move for a team trying to survive, right? But then, and, and Everton did try to bring in, like, Connor Gallagher, right? I just want it for the record of, but, like, every team near them objectively did so much more. <laughs> Objectively, did so much more. Nottingham Forest, they brought in Kaylor Navas, John Joe Shelby, Chris Wood, Danilo, and Felipe from Atletico Madrid, right? Bournemouth brought in a bunch, brought in a couple of guys. They brought in uh, Zabarnow from Kiev um, to play center back. They brought in Oaltra, uh, a winger from Lorient, and they brought up uh, Semenyo, the striker from Bristol City. And then even Southampton, like who doesn't usually do a lot, they brought up Kaladin Suleimani, who people will uh, recognize from FIFA career mode. And then they brought up Alcaraz or brought in Alcaraz from Argentina, who plays for racing, like Orsic from Dynamo Zagreb. Everybody else did big things to like, oh man, we can't go down. That would be financially ruinous. And from what I understand, not all of them are building a brand new stadium they haven't paid for. That would just be Everton. So have Everton done enough? No, Everton did literally not. Everton did the bare minimum. (laughs) They did the actual bare minimum, and it's not enough. Yeah, transfer-wise, nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Like, looking at their page, I think they had two guys returned from loan. That's two young guys, so... Great. That's uh, probably not going to do it. And they move out Anthony Gordon, who, you know, I said I have concerns about, but even with those concerns, been one of their better attackers this year because they've been so bad. There are problems. There are problems with this squad. There are big problems with this squad. They were linked to a lot of people, and it seemed like either A, it was just, you know. They they got the relegation stank on them. Well, I, I would say that, yeah, but. Like you just referenced, everybody around them, it also has relegation stank on them. They had no problem. Like, I don't think guys are going to Nottingham Forest to like, no shots at Nottingham Forest, really. But like, I don't think they're going there to, you know, for the 
footballing pedigree that's currently going on. I know they have great history, so sorry yeah. if you're a Forest but fan, but I, like, I think, I think currently the they are what they are. And like, and Forest comes up from, and Forest spent a lot of money when they first got into the Premier League, right? They spent a lot of money again. Southampton, a team we've joked about, is getting ready for the championship because they're only starting 19-year-olds, mm-hmm. right? And, and and James Ward-Prowse, who, God bless him, man, just hanging out at Southampton. Guy <laughs> can't catch a break. But they bring in they bring in three attacking players to try to solve their problems. Yeah, they sent Everton sent one away. They're like, nope, more Alex Awobi, please. A second helping of Alex Awobi to save us from relegation. Sean yeah. Dyche is going for manager of the year with this this with this thing. If if ever somebody was going to get hired at the at the transfer deadline and win manager of the year, if he keeps them up, I feel like I have to make an argument that he deserves this over Arteta. For manager yeah. of the year, because this is yeah. a horrifying team. I, I think that there's huge concerns about the squad, and they moved out one of their you know only bright spots on their team. So, look, what they did in the transfer window—that's obviously not that's that didn't do anything to improve them. It's all the the crux of this entire question comes from: Do we think Sean Dyche can four four to them to? 20 more points or something this year, basically. (laughs) Um, And look, I think that they are going to be a more defensively sound team. Like he's even got guys he's going in to work with guys. He worked with at Burnley, like Dwight McNeil is there. Tarkovsky was at Burnley with Deitch for a long time. So there's some guys that are familiar with this. Um, They probably were like, ah, shit, here we go again. (laughs) Hearing that Deitch was coming in, but they know what's going on. You can kind of show them a ropes. I, Completely expect them to be a much more organized team, but still, where are the goals coming from here? So this is still a big false for me. I still think they're in huge trouble because, yeah, they will be defensively a lot better. But you know, there's some goals are going to go in, and I have I, I have even less of an idea of where the goals are going to come from now uh, under a more restrictive defensive system and <laughs> minus. Guy. And minus um, Anthony Gordon. So, like, I don't know where these goals come from at all. I'm worried that, like most of this year, any goals in an Everton game will be coming from the opposition and into their goal. Um, only one team has less has fewer goals scored. Um, sorry, double-checking myself as I talk. Only one team has fewer goals scored, and that's Wolverhampton. And they brought in like 10 strikers to try to solve this problem. Um, Everton need to score in the worst way. And their negative 13 goal differential is not the worst, right? There are teams with a worse goal differential, but like Sean Dyche is going to put together a masterclass and not the one you can watch on YouTube. It's about 10 minutes long. Yeah. I, I think it was the right signing as far as managers go. Like I I thought, yeah. I, I thought that was the correct appointment, but the the problem with that, that was of the names they could get. Like there's just, there's nowhere for goals to come from in this to me. And I like, yeah, sure. If he can keep a lot of clean sheets, they'll pick up some draws here and there, but I still don't see many three pointers coming the rest of the season for them. And at some point you got to string together a couple wins, at least if they're going to get out of this mess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, I guess they kept that that stellar squad together. Is that the rationale we can put together? Or, you know, I I, yeah. I I basically just come back to like, I don't even know what the plan is. Like Sean Deitch, get us out of here. But like, 
you know, there has to be someone on the field. Like, Sean Dyche doesn't play anymore. I don't know if Everton knows that. Like, he's not going to be in there actively helping. It's just him giving instructions. But we'll see, man. We've got a good weekend of games coming up here. But I think I'm ready to get to our our last question already as we kind of move through here in our big six uh, true or false questions. Spencer, is the Premier League just a preview of the vaunted CONCACAF Nations League now that Weston McKinney and Kaylor Navas come in to join uh, Adams, Aronson, and Pulisic? Keep going, my friend. We got Ooh. Tim Ream. We got Anthony Tammy Robinson. Ream, Anthony Robinson. We got the... <laughs> We got the ghost of uh, Raul Jimenez somewhere at Wolves kicking mm-hmm. around still. Mm-hmm. We got uh, Mikhail Antonio of Jamaican descent at West Ham. Just CONCACAF is oh. taking over, baby. This is a big old true for me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just absolutely true. Pretty soon, CONCACAF will be the best federation in the world, miles ahead of Europe, and they will all be eating our dust. But no. In all seriousness, like, obviously, no, like, it's not a preview for the CONCACAF Nations League. But it is fun to, like, see more and more of these guys. Obviously, Leeds is the big one with us as USMNT fans. It seems like they're having a dick-measuring contest with Fulham for who's the more American Premier League club at this point. As like not Jesse Marks took that shit personally. Yeah, Take Jesse Marsh absolutely takes that shit personally. He even gave um, Chris Armis a job after all his shit he's been through. So Ooh. he's obviously taking it super personally. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just really awesome. Like seeing like <laughs> I was listening to another podcast. They bought this up. That's, you know, there's been so much tor- turmoil with the U.S. team of late with the Reina thing and all that. And you're like, if you're ever like, what? why did I love this team so much? Like watching the Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney content that's been coming out over the last couple of days since he finalized his move to Leeds. It's just like, Oh yeah, I, this is why I love these guys. These guys are fun. This is why They're this so team is so great. I, so. I love it. It's, and that's why we put this question on here. So talk about Weston McKinney, maybe the most fun personality in us soccer. Definitely. You know, like, I just always think he's so funny, man. Him and Tyler Adams are so funny together. If you haven't watched it, watch the little, what is it, two, three-minute thing of uh, Adams interviewing McKinney, and they're just having fun, right? I don't know that Weston McKinney's going to, like, start in the next game because I think they've got a pretty settled midfield, and I think you could have a a less fun conversation about, like, you know, does he fit next to Adams because they kind of play two holding midfielders, and then McKinney's more, like – you could say all that. I'm not interested in it right now because West McKinney's now in a league we watch, right? And it makes me so happy. It just it just makes me happy to have have our boy come home, play with his play with his friends. He has to come home and play with his friends, Spencer. He'll have to deal with Kaylor Navas, who is enough to put any nightmares into our heads. As as Kaylor Navas makes a last second loan from PSG to Nottingham Forest, but our boys are home. They're at home. Um, I'm convinced maybe, you know, at the World Cup, maybe some intern, like, you know, every week the U.S. M&T account, they put together that 
big package of like where are American players playing this weekend and they'll be like, you know, Leeds are playing this and Brennan Aronson and Tyler Adams are in this game. Maybe somebody was that that intern was complaining to some of the guys being like, could you guys just be a little less spread out? I these these spreadsheets are getting too long for me. Could we just consolidate a little bit more of this? And they're like, oh yeah, I bet. Like Weston McKinney will go to Leeds to just reunite a couple more of them. Um make somebody's life a little easier. But no, yeah, I, I'm just with you. It's it's fun. It's nice. Not that, you know, we we watch a bit of Serie A, like especially like Juve, like they're a huge team there. So we're paying attention to them, keeping tabs on them. Not anymore. Off my but, list. Done. But yeah, now it's there like, okay, bet. even less of a reason to like have to, you know, just find more and more hours in the day, like consolidate for me as well, like as well as that intern, just to see some of these guys play on a more consistent basis, which is nice. And and Leeds is fun, man. Like mm-hmm. if you're a Leeds fan listening to this podcast, like you're going to love Weston McKinney. All he does is sprint around, not take anything and like make big plays, right? Like, there are, there are holes in his game for sure, but there are holes in everybody's game. I, I really think you're going to love him. He's, he's a good player. Yeah, I think you guys will like him too. I, I do want to have just a quick aside on McKinney himself, and then I we have a little bit on leads as well, I believe. But on McKinney himself, like I've seen this point raised. I just, I'm interested where you fall on it. Is this a potentially like bad move for his career? Because on a pure like stature of the clubs type of thing. I know Leeds has a great history dating back and stuff, but you know, modern history, the modern view of the game, Juventus is a much quote unquote bigger club than Leeds is. They're a very high pedigree of club, like one of the bigger clubs in the world. Like, does that concern you at all? Is is it a quote unquote step back in his career to you? Um, I mean, yes and no, right? Like objectively, like you said, Juventus is a bigger team, right? But they just got in trouble for, like, financial stuff. We talked about it last time. They just got docked a bunch of points. And like we said, the Italian league just spent no money on players, right? So it's like, okay, objectively, would you rather have your national team player star for Juve or would you rather have them star for Leeds? It's like, well, Juve, right? But... I'd rather have him play with his center field guy or with his center mid partner, right? Link up with Aronson and get better playing there under an American coach in a league that's easier to watch. So I think it's very easy to, to make that argument. Right. But you don't like, nobody should want to be on Juve right now. Well, that that's not a ship that's floating real well at the mm-hmm. moment here. Yeah. I, I think, I, I pretty much align with you on this. I think that in a vacuum, when you say those two things, yes, like Juventus is the bigger club, like probably the more ideal circumstance. But especially when you consider that Weston's played, you know, relatively regular minutes at Juventus this entire time, not his entire time, but of late at least there. Um, but when you look at Leeds, like it's a little bit special of a scenario, right? That it is there's such an American influence there. It's like he gets to go team up with some guys he's worked with before. It's a good landing spot for him. And, you know, we just talked a couple questions ago about how the premier league has turned into the super league. And it's by far like the middle of the premier league is the most skilled of all of these leagues, like a mid table premier league and a mid table 
Serie A team are not on the same levels. Like this is, I think the competition level is definitely up on a week in and week out basis for Weston, just the way the leagues are, the landscape of the leagues at this time. So while like club prestige, it's a step down. Sure. I think that honestly, it's kind of a wash to me that he's going to get better competition on a regular basis. And he's going to a project that I believe he's going to be very valued within. Yeah. I, I, I really like this move for him. Um, and not just for selfish reasons, I think is kind of what it comes down to. The selfish um, reasons definitely help though. Yeah. Though, I mean, <laughs> I said it doesn't all come down to the selfish reasons it's <laughs> with the selfish reasons, but also, you know, like if he was moving to I, what I, because the other thing they kind of talked about was like the Arsenal move and Liverpool were kind of rumored there for a little bit um, early in the week. And I didn't put a lot of thought into it. I think he's definitely because the other thing at this point is you want is Wes McKinney is still a young player. Mm-hmm. You want him to play, mm-hmm. right? If he's the fourth midfielder at Arsenal, maybe you can make the, the argument that like Arteta's really coaching him up or whatever, but. I don't, I don't know. He's going to be playing with leads. He's going to be playing with leads. He's at worst the first midfielder off the bench. Right. And I think he's not that like young, young player anymore. I believe what is he at 23 or so now? Um, you don't like he's, he's at a point in his career where he needs to be playing. I think like he's, he's 24 now actually. So you, you don't want him going somewhere and like stalling. quote unquote, like yeah. learning. Yeah. Stalling. And like, yeah, it would be awesome to have him under Arteta and like have a manager that teach you more things, but I'm, I'm with you. I don't think he gets a ton of game time at those places. So I think the move's decent for him, like leads in general. Um, besides McKinney, they bought in Reuter, the striker from Hoffenheim and Wilber. Uh, this is that weird B German yeah. B that weird German B that looks funny. If you guys know what I'm talking about from Salzburg, the center back. So they did a little bit too. I know we didn't mention them as much in the relegation thing a minute ago. They are in that fight. And that's because we knew we were talking about in this segment that we kind of go into their signings. So I, I think they're probably got enough in them to be safe. I think those signings, they kind of, you know, got a midfielder, got an attacker and got a center back, give themselves a little more stability on basically every level of the pitch. So I liked their moves. Um, I, I think they'll be okay. And, you know, maybe that's me being optimistic because they've become like many Americans, my second favorite team now, because yeah. they consolidated way, so many of our guys. Weren't they before? Yeah. Right? Like realistically, it's like, look, Fulham, we love you. What you're doing with Jedi, what you're doing with Tim Ream, incredible. They play defense. They're, they're not a, and Leeds just plays this crazy, you know, pressing system and everything else. So they are fun. They are very high on the fun to watch meter for sure in the league. Yeah. Yep. But that said, uh, I, I think that's really most of the big takeaways we have from this January window, Andrew. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we missed some stuff, guys. I'm sorry if we didn't get to your team or everything, but like a billion things happen. It was the most busy January I can ever remember. I don't know about you. January is usually pretty low key. Like there's a couple big moves here and there. Some teams do stuff, but the sheer amount of moves was just insane today. It felt like to me and over the last 31 days, it's been insane. 
it's been insane. I'm so happy it's over. Um, I can't wait for Enzo Fernandez to pick up his ceremonial red card. I got it in the I, I got the over under at the 63rd minute. If you want to get in on that bet, um, in his first game Friday, but um, yeah, I'm I'm so happy for that to be over. But speaking of something that just never quite seems to be over, as we kind of start to wrap it up here, the U.S. men's national team had a camp and it, it happened. Um, none of the guys we just talked about in the last as we were so glowing about all the Americans and CONCACAF guys playing in the, uh, in the last section, none of them were there and, uh, boy, did it show Spencer. Yeah, they were, um, we referenced it a little bit before. It's very much was a like prospect camp type of thing. And, uh, that's, that's really what we got. There was a two, one loss in the first game to Serbia's D team. So, you know, ouch. And, a nil-nil draw on the other one to Colombia. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really have a lot of takeaways from this. No, like it, it, it was the Cade Cowell Invitational. Cade, Cade Cowell, Cowell looked good. good. Like uh, was fine. Slovenia played well in a game in like a losing effort for a goalie type of thing. Like I thought Slovenia played well in the first game, but. Oh, yeah, that, man. Like uh, there, there wasn't a lot to take away. Like some young guys, like it was just getting their feet wet, getting some guys some caps. Like a couple, like good stories. Like Gressel got an assist in that goal, which was cool after his whole journey of being a naturalized U.S. citizen. Um, Brandon Vasquez scored, so you know people right away are like, "Oh, maybe he's R nine. And it's just you know another another part of that debate, I guess maybe, but. I guess I, I don't think we're putting a ton of stock into any of this. It's um, I, I don't think we learned much. We learned some guys maybe should be considered a little bit more like, like a guy like Dewan Jones. I didn't really know much about him at all. And he looked good in his appearances. So um, get some guys, some caps that are like dual nationals that you're fighting Mexico though for. That's always good. K Cal, like you said, so just not, just not a ton. It, it's a, it was a bit. It was very January prospect campy, and I even if the games would have went super well, I wouldn't be taking a lot of it. They they were a draw and a loss. They did not go particularly well, and I it really wouldn't have mattered either way. There's not a lot to take away from this. No, and it the other funny thing I would say about this is if you remember back to the first game, what was it Wednesday night? They started late. It took me a minute to remember how these January camps work after all the CONCACAF Nations Leagues and all the other important games and the World Cup and every game meaning so much to the U.S. I do adjust back, Spencer, to watching horrible soccer that didn't matter according to the people playing in it. Um, and, you know, yeah, I get I matters a lot to these kids and stuff like that. But, like, I don't know if you remember, but, like, after the game, I was like, this guy's horrible, and it led to the goal, and you were like, He's 18 and he looked yeah. good on the ball. And I'm like, okay, fine. But, you know, I, I still had like cutthroat. If we lose, we're dead. The tournament's yeah. over. Soccer on the brain. You have to readjust back. It's, it's, it's yeah, nice I just, to not have competitive U.S. soccer. I just had to step show. in and just lower the bar for you a little bit, man. Just lower that bar a little bit and, you know, talk you back from the ledge a little bit. And yeah, there's, these are nothing burgers that we just didn't really care about. Like I watched them. Uh, I, I watched the whole game Wednesday, the game Saturday it was on a, you know, Saturday night I was out with friends. I had it on, but especially with the way that game was progressing, I was like, can this thing please just be over? And I was very spotty in my watching of it. So 
overall, there's things to file away for later, like things to keep an eye on. A couple guys that I'm interested in, I'll be watching them a little bit more from afar now. But yeah, nothing, nothing. I'm really it's it's to nice to have a lot of our prospects in Europe. It is. <laughs> it's kind of nice. It's like you know, maybe he gets called. Maybe somebody will get called. Like, but if they were still in the MLS, like hey, Jesus Ferreira at this camp guess what buddy like not not a good place to be because you're not getting great service and you're getting outshone by dudes who play at fc cincinnati if you don't want to be shown out by dudes who play at fc cincinnati make a move go try yourself in europe like peppy getting out of there at the right time man like been on a run um i wanted to bring up you know who is back playing soccer on a team john brooks Oh, oh yeah, he did. Uh, he did move. We yeah, he resurfaced uh, Hoffenheim, I think. Is it yeah. Hoffenheim? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know that he played particularly well. I, th- I heard he did okay. Um, but, yeah, no, just kind of a, well, now that Greg might be gone, maybe Bielsa's running the show. Who knows? We can dream. Bielsa or Mourinho, our pick for. I said cage fight. Cage fight to figure it out and. My money's on the old man with the stool. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, just, uh, yeah, ha- happy to put it behind us. Great job for those guys getting caps. Make a move to Europe. Show yourself because this team is now full of guys who play in Europe. That's where you got to sh- For sure. So, well, like I said, some things to file away for later. We'll, we'll see how some things play out. But um, if you're dying on either side of a hill from anything from that camp, then I would suggest you realign your sights. But Roll, roll it, right on down that hill. Just keep going. <laughs> but uh, as you said, you referenced like guys in Europe and stuff. Let's get back to Europe really quick to round this out. It was a big cup weekend over in England. Like Any of the games you want to talk about, like City and Arsenal, that was a... In, like. Fest? Uh, it was a snoo- so it ended up being a snooze fest, but like going into it, it was interesting to see like would these teams play strong teams? Like I, I think both of them played pretty strong teams. Some um, rotation, but yeah. little rotation on both sides, but pretty strong teams. Um, it, it felt very much like a. I think I texted you and said something along the lines of it felt like a week eighteen NFL game where like both teams had clinched and they're they're, they're going to play each other in the playoffs in a few weeks so they they don't want to show the other one anything like both teams just played pretty boring maybe maybe with City winning it plants like a little seed of doubt in Arsenal's mind but I, I think kind of like the January camp I'm not taking much away from this game between the two at all it's still those Premier League games that really matter yeah I I think. The only one I would really shout out is is the Wrexham game. I mean, not to just go with there's this weird like anti Americans don't like this sport until you know a celebrity shows it to them type of thing online, which I'm refuse to acknowledge kind of with the Wrexham three, uh Sheffield United three. But it was a really good, interesting game. I mean a three three game is fun anyways and yeah, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhinney happen to own the team, and I'm excited to watch it next season when the show comes out. But really fun game. You were kind of laughing about the way ESPN was was hyping it up a little bit. Yeah, As they just battle for the ages. It's like yeah, oh. they they were you know playing that one pretty pretty hard. They sent like their A commentary team to the game and stuff, which cool. Like I I haven't even watched the Ryan show Reynolds before. Was there it was it was yeah it he was, was cool. the show's good. Yeah, I've heard the show's good. Like I. 
probably should at some point. I'm just, as we do this pod, you might learn about me if we start talking about shows at all. I'm very bad with shows and stuff. So haven't gotten to it, but I hear it's good. Like even I, like as somebody that didn't watch the show, I'm a little bit behind Wrexham. I think it's just a cool story and stuff. They are a, a fifth division team. So like, you know, them going on a bit of a cup runs fun regardless. Like that's just, I, I would be behind any fifth division team, but there is enough you know, American slash Canadian ties and stuff to make it a little more interesting. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a really fun game actually. Like, and the, the only thing that sucked about it was the dumb debate that you're getting online afterwards about, uh, I don't know, just some, something I'm learning more and more. Right. Cause I, I, I've expressed this before. I think we've both been pretty upfront that neither of us are, the biggest MLS guys at this point, like I, now that my city has a team, I will be paying a lot more attention to it, but like, I, I don't dislike MLS. I don't but belittle MLS necessarily, but some of these MLS fans are just crazy people. And they're just like, you guys can't like Wrexham because you like fit division teams better than your local MLS teams. And I'm just like, just let people have fun, man. Like, come on. I, I saw somebody make a really good point about like the Wrexham thing. And the reason it's exciting is because promotion and relegation exists and they're actually playing for something. They don't get like the MLS next draft pick. Ugh. Like what are we talking about? Like, of course it's more exciting. They care. You can't yeah. go to any hardly state. I mean, one, it's a thousand dollars to go to a game. It's still expensive to go to MLS game. Right. And you're not getting a great product all the time. And you could watch it at home for whatever ESPN Plus costs. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard to figure out. Right. And I just think the, the Wrexham thing is just a, a really good story too, right? Like yeah, it's, absolutely. it's a very good story. Like even like I said, as somebody who hasn't watched the show, I'm familiar with the story enough. It's it's fun. It's interesting. Um, it's, it's two of the most like likable guys doing it, right? Right. And the only guys who, and the only people who like maybe like wouldn't like Ryan Reynolds probably like Rob McElhinney from Sun, like from Sunny, right? Like you're kind of covering all the good, like quote unquote, like good, funny guys, right? You know what I mean? With that kind of like broad stroke of everything. And it's really kind of eye-opening. Yeah. I, honestly, just my takeaway from that debate is I just, I didn't get it. I, like just let people like things. I don't know. I don't yeah. like. I, Whatever I, your just, way is into soccer. Just. Yeah. Like just. <sighs> This the way I see it's so annoying. It is so annoying. The way I see it is that if, you know, a million people watch Welcome to Wrexham and like a thousand of those people decide that they're going to start watching soccer because of it, like that's in the end a good thing. Like organically, the bigger the sport is in America, the better MLS will do just organically. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I, I'm with you. I just don't get the the gatekeeping and all that and like yes support your local club that's great i understand that like you you want that all to come you want that it all be good but just just let people like things i i don't know i just i i, I hate that whole sentiment of being people telling it's people the what they should, should root for so you, yo, you like rex mfc what about the houston dynamo it's like man who care like like a team I, and, and part of that's on like MLS to do a good job of like, I'm not saying there's no stories in MLS. Like we, we talked, you know, a couple months ago about how the MLS cup final was one of the better soccer games we've ever yeah. seen. There's yep. good stories in MLS. I think it's a lot of it falls in the league to, 
you know, tell these stories. Like I, I heard somebody mention on another podcast today also that they talked about um, the Columbus crew story of like the save the crew when they were there and that being a big story. But like MLS doesn't want to tell that story because they were going to kick Columbus out of um, Columbus and send them to Austin. So like tell your stories if you're MLS, like make this be better at marketing straight up. Cause like I- I'm looking today, right. As somebody who's going to start watching this here soon, like it's all behind a paywall on Apple TV. Like, I don't know how I'm going to watch this for not $20 a month or whatever it is. And, so. and you have, and you'll have a gen, like literally there couldn't be a better example of this. Spencer is a hardcore soccer fan. Mm-hmm. His city is getting a brand new team. If anybody is going to be the Guinea pig for like, how easy should this be? Right. Should be you. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, like I want to consume this and you're making it difficult for me to get into it as somebody who's already into the sport. Like I want to get more into MLS. I want to watch more MLS and uh, look, and I, I, I don't know enough about it to go into like why this is happening, why it's going to Apple TV plus and all that, but it's at least something that's like concerning as an outsider of uh, look, people like me, they might not pay that. Like people that you could yeah. people can fans that you could convert like, you got a whole new market here in St. Louis. Like the, look, it's a very middle-class city. Like I'm not by any means the most well-off person, but I'm not like right. broke either, but I, I don't want to spend the extra $20 a month to watch my team play, you know, on top of right. all the other streaming Let services alone what stuff. tickets would cost, right? Which right. is how you get this groundswell support in other countries. It's literally the local team and how they do matters to you because you live there. And you can get promoted or relegated, right? Right. Like if you care about soccer in the area you're from in England, just to use the example, right? You support your local team, right? You can also support other teams, right? Whatever. But that's where you, you care about that. You grow up caring about it. Right. And I think it's, it's, it's a really hard dynamic, right? Cause I think that sport in America is so different than sport in Europe. Like these are small mm-hmm. local clubs a lot of the time that are, you know, every little community has their own club and stuff. So if you're not familiar, so like there are, you know, division eight teams that have supporters of that little town of 5,000 people or something, but a lot of those people will also support like an arsenal or something too. So MLS, like sporting culture is just so different in the U S that it's never going to be the same as Europe. Like I can't even get into the relegation. Like, do I think it'd be better? Yes. But I, I don't even know if that's a plausible idea, but look, I, all I'm saying, I guess, is just on a whole rant here is, look, Wrexham's done a very good job of telling its story, making itself, endearing itself to people and finding, you know, a, a place in their heart. The MLS probably has to do a better job of that. And I think that MLS fans who are, like you said, gatekeeping and saying that the Wrexham thing's wrong, just just let people have fun. That's that's where I'm going to fall on the whole right. thing. Exactly. Exactly. But, it's, uh, it's it's the equivalent of like a Cinderella making a run in the um, March Madness NCAA basketball tournament. Mm-hmm. And instead of rooting for St. Peter's, everybody online being like, you didn't even go to St. Peter's. You don't even know it. It's like, no, of course I don't know it. That's why it's fun. They're going well, yeah, it's, it's, to be Kentucky. It, like, that's hilarious. Like, I'm going to root for them. That's great. It's like it's like St. Peter's comes up against like North Carolina and you live in North Carolina, but you're you've you're like a diehard NC State fan and people are yelling at you because you're not rooting for like the home state team. Wow. And and sometimes you are a, a a staunch North Carolina fan and you love when they get smacked down, but 
that's part of it too. I, I'm a huge North Carolina basketball fan. That's why I had to say that because who boy did they get smacked down last year, but so did everybody else but Kansas. Um, but, but yeah, kind of, yeah, that's <laughs> otherwise. Yeah. FA cup stuff uh, just to round it out. Like um, the Brighton Liverpool game. I don't know how much you, you of that you saw. That was fun. The Matoma goal to win it and stoppage mm-hmm. time was amazing. I can't um, wait to spend ninety to one hundred and twenty million dollars on him for Chelsea next year. <laughs> I think he's like twenty six, so you might only have Ooh, to pay like thirty. He feels like forty five. <laughs> we could still probably do sixty if he plays at Brighton. No way, man! Come on. Quite possibly. Well, if he keeps bagging him the way he is, you might have to because he's playing out of his mind. Um, yes. Liverpool's woes kind of continue. I don't know that if you saw. So dirty. I, I not to. I know oh, you it was amazing. It's so gross. If you didn't see yeah. that goal, like that is the Wrexham game, and that goal is what you missed from this weekend. Other than Basically. that, recharge for this weekend. Yeah, and just one other thing from that game. I don't know if you saw the challenge that Fabinho made that he got a yellow card for. Fabinho it- is a terrorist. He <laughs> hurts everyone, man. You know how I feel about Fabinho. Like going to casually bring up Fabinho, like I'm not going to call that guy. Like I'm not going to call him anything, but – the not dirtiest player, but just always a super hard foul. Always this like, I don't know what I did. I hope he's okay. It's like that dude can barely walk. He's bleeding. Like, well, what this, are you talking about? This time he actually did have a reaction of like, he thought he was getting a red card. He like winced and like put his hand. Not well, his hands I said, it's like, oh, well. well it, it wasn't even in, like, yeah, normally it's like the shrug, but this one was like a like cover his face, like hide because he oh, knew the tackle yeah. was terrible. Because it was he, he legitimately just stomped on Evan Ferguson's Achilles. Kanate could have got one too earlier yeah. in the game. Yeah, but like I, I don't know. I, we don't have to really go into it. I just like the fact that wasn't That's a red and that VAR didn't pick up that that was a red. It didn't matter in the. I mean, I guess it does matter because Evan Ferguson like left on crutches. I haven't seen an update, but like he's been quite good for them at striker. So I know he didn't get sold, but that's about as much of an update <laughs> as I have on anybody right now. But yeah, that that game was fun. Um, Carabao Cup, Newcastle. They're going through. They're going to Wimley. You wonder how that's like. You know, they haven't won a trophy in forever. That's awesome. They have a chance to win a trophy. Like I think the Carabao Cup is really important to a club like Newcastle. E- even they'll, they'll probably be playing United. United play tomorrow, I believe. Um, but they're up three 0 on aggregate, so they, you know, are pretty well yep. looking at the final. Um, I think that trophy could be important that's a really interesting game if we get that because it'd be you know the first trophy that ten hog could win at united and newcastle who haven't won a trophy in forever so that could be a fun game at least for that final um but yeah otherwise like across europe not a ton like bundesliga is a little bit interesting i guess because Dort, not Dortmund, uh, Bayern just keep drawing every week. So they're they're down to a one-point lead. So, you know, maybe. Yeah, Gio Reyna absolutely scoring bangers off the bench for two straight games. I think third would be this weekend, I think, right? But Yeah, it no, just, there's, just there's, keeps banging them in. There's, there's a lot of soccer. The soccer world with the Premier League settles and continues this week. Um it takes a couple of days here to get everybody's lineup settles. And by everybody, I just mean Chelsea, apparently. Um, but then Chelsea's back in for the first league. First league game is back on Friday. They play full America. So they play against, uh, you know, Tim Ream and future bench left back for Pep Guardiola, Jedi Robinson. So 
We'll see. Yeah, we we'll got, see. We'll see how the new stars adapt to uh, future Pep Boy. Yeah, we got that one kicking us off this weekend again to get back into it. Everton's first game under Sean Dyche is just a nice little, you know, <laughs> wadding into the shallow end very slowly against Arsenal league leaders. <laughs> we really need some results. Here you go. They are home at least. So, you know, um, hey, I'll be rooting for the 4-4-2 to hold a nice nil-nil draw. Like, yeah, I'm not going to wake up at 6.30 for it. But, yeah, I'm not going to wake I'm not going to wake up at 6.30 for this on Saturday, but like if I wake up at 8.30 and I see that the game was nil-nil, I'll be a happy, happy boy. Sean, Sean Dice is going to be the first first coach in history to get sent off with a red card for sending 13 players onto the pitch twice. He's like, <laughs> hey, Sean, you can't do that. Just because you have them all behind the ball doesn't mean we're not going to count them. He's like, nope, starting 13 guys. Yeah, he, he very well might are, have to. Of them are Alex <laughs> but yeah, outside that, like, Spurs, Man City. After that crazy that's, game they that's had, the big game this weekend. that's the big yep. game. That's when I was at Spurs. So, you know, Man City got to keep pace. Um, Leeds plays Forest on Sunday too. Is the appetizer to that? So maybe we get McKinney's debut. But you know, a lot of a lot of mid table otherwise this week, and some you know somewhat compelling games, but no really like big standout fixtures. No, it, it's kind of a get your feet like wet the appetite, like kind of a restart, like. Most teams had like a week off of the Premier League anyways, like different cup competitions, whatever, but ease back into it. Dip your toe in the pool, get your lineup set, you know, get back to it. But. Yeah, unless you're City. I, dude, I mean, look, no no sympathy, I understand, but like our schedule since the restart has been just fucking crazy. Just like it, you it guys, like we, we get to catch you guys at a, like a bad time for you at least, but just on a name recognition standpoint, like... You guys like three times, like Liverpool. We got Arsenal in the cup, Tottenham twice. Just a tour of the big six lately. You'll you'll have played us three times and not played any of the players we're gonna have for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, it's an impressive feat. Um, but no, man. Unless you got anything else, I uh, think we're about ready to get out of here, man. Yeah, let's get out of here. Check out those games this weekend and uh, check us out quick- on social media. <laughs> You read my mind, my friend. Check us yes, out at sir. Fish Fries Pod. Twitter. Keeping all the heat out there on Twitter. We got give memes. us a. We got jokes. We oh, got sarcastic memes, jokes. We got serious stuff sometimes. You know, we like to throw out some little nuggets once in a while. Yeah, man. But great follow on there. Be sure to follow the pod on whatever platform you're listening to. Please give us a five star rating and a review. That really helps us out too. Tell your yeah, friends. Let us know. Yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Tell us uh, what you want to talk about. If you're upset we didn't talk about Danny Ings, the West Ham or something, you know, abuse me on Twitter, please. Yes, please abuse Spencer. <laughs> Just Spencer, though. Not Andrew. I, I'm in a fragile that. state. I don't know what my team <laughs> looks like. Todd Bowley spent $900 million, like – Spencer misplaced Cancelo for three months. Like, can, yeah, just just don't do it. View. Don't do it like on a Champions League day. And otherwise, I'm a pretty spoiled boy. And uh, we got Champions League world. coming back. I know. Uh, I know Soon-ish. Chelsea's on the 15th. Soonish, That's... we'll be talking about that soon enough. Thank God. No more of this. Care. I can't help but care about it. Cup. Man. <laughs> hey, that Oof. one's just we're we're at the finish line, basically in that one at least. So. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get FA back in. FA stands for fucking A. It's a cup weekend. <laughs> yeah, that one we got to deal with for a while here. But yeah, uh, we're winding down on some of it at least, my friend. So 
starting to ramp up, coming to the real interesting part of the season now that we put January behind us and and in for some really a lot of jeopardy here for the rest of the year until yeah. May, my friend. And and we'll be coming at you with pods, keeping you guys satisfied, keeping you guys informed, telling you keeping what's the going palette on. Wet. Yes, sir. Yeah, and until then, we'll we'll be back at you next week with uh, whatever the fuck happens between now and then, my friend. But yeah, man, yeah, let's get out of here today. This was a meaty one, my friend. This it, it they always are. They always, always are. We had so much to talk about, but. All right, buddy. Until next time, man. Take it easy, my friends. Take care, guys. See you next week. Peace.